episode 328. We're doing Audric the Blood Curse. I know out there you know that we dress up like Audric. I'm not going to dress up like Audric this time and do the voice. I mean, I might sneak in some of the voice, I suppose, but I'm going to present a pretty straightforward episode. Uh, this was a challenging one for sure because I really wanted to make a good deck, and I think we pulled it off. I think me, with the help of some of the Discord people, we've got a pretty decent Boros Audric Blood Curse deck. Uh, I'll get into that in a moment, but uh, I do want to check in, see how you're doing. How's everybody doing? I am doing well. This is, oh boy, I haven't looked into our release schedule, so I don't know. I think it's, is it the new year? Oh, it might be. You might be hearing this in 2020, 2022. It's like spelling the word banana. When do you stop saying 20? When do you stop saying N-A-N-A-N-A-N-A when you're trying to spell banana? We all know the answer lies on the internet. But I'm not going to look everything up on the internet. I'm not going to be one of those people who looks everything up on the internet. I like to have a conversation with people. Let's put our phones away. Let's all, let's all, let's all connect. I would love to connect with everybody. Let's put our phones down. Take a nice deep breath in together. I, for real, for real. Let's do this. Let's take a nice deep breath, a nice centering, calming breath in through the nose. And then out through the mouth. I'm not going to actually do it. I can't. For, for good podcast etiquette, I won't do it along with you. Because I don't want to, like, blow out the microphone and assault your ears with it. But I hope you did it. I hope you got, we, got a little, uh, we got a little calming, a little calm, a little connection. Start 2022 with some nice calm energy from the Commander's Brew, from me. Let's put some more positivity out there into the world. Let's say thanks. Let's thank people. What are we grateful for? I am grateful for you listening. Yes. Listening to this show. Very grateful for it. Grateful for those who went to patreon.com slash commanders brew. Help us out. It's important. And it really does prop up the show. Especially now I'm solo producing working on getting the future lined up and it you know takes a lot of time and energy I, I would not be able to do this truly without our generous patrons so super duper thanks to everyone out there um let's we feel connected i feel connected to you especially those of you who are in our discord helping me brew these things uh, i'm throwing a lot of ideas out there asking for some card suggestions um throwing some great ideas out there it's a blast i have a great time in there i'm grateful for you there if you want to share, you know, you want to share some joy, spread some cheer, even though it's after Christmas time, you can spread cheer anytime you want. That's There's no rule that says you have to only do it on Christmas time. We'll spread cheer all around. You don't have to make baked goods all year round, but you can do that too. Normalize giving your neighbors baked goods once you know what they're allergic to please. It'll be great. We did that around here, gave some muffins, banana muffins to our neighbors, and we received some, who one of our neighbors is a, is a cook, the baker. They can, they, we got like way down to like 
chocolate bark covered colorful marshmallows with I think there was like a hint of cinnamon or something in there they were wild they were wild but I'm getting ahead of myself I'm in the middle of thanking everybody oh yeah if you want to do something great for the show please head on over to YouTube like and subscribe order cards through our TCG player link but if you're a Canadian listener we got the best deal money off your magic cards through the Wizards Tower you know it here's an ad from them now We're proud Canadian podcasters, and we're proud to be sponsored by one of Canada's premier card stores, the Wizards Tower, wizardtower.com. And Canadian listeners get an exclusive coupon code, BREWCRIMSON, to get 5% off any order of singles shipped to you for free, as long as you've ordered $15 or more in singles. And you can check out our deck list for this week's episode and other episodes we've done on their content site, mtgcanada.com. And remember, at a vampire wedding, RSVP stands for... Red suits, vampire pals. Okay, Audric Bloodcursed. We were all fairly disappointed when he came out because we were expecting the vampire version of Audric to give all kinds of abilities to creatures to incorporate them all and somehow be immortal in some way. But that was not meant to be. Here's what we got. One red, white, legendary vampire soldier, 3-3. Three, three. And when he enters the battlefield, you make X blood tokens, where X is the number of different keywords your creatures have. I'm not going to list them all, but they're the usual suspects, although notably Skulk is missing. I think that was a big miss. W-O-T-C. You missed that one. It's part of Audric's character, I think. The interesting thing is you count each ability one time, not each creature. So if you have a bunch of creatures with Vigilance that's worth one blood token. But if you have a single creature with three abilities on it, you get three blood tokens from there. So, I mean, getting a few blood tokens is not going to make or break a deck. So what are we doing here? We are trying to bounce Audric. We want to flicker him, blink him, get him in and out of the battlefield to make extra blood. And then once we're doing that, we want to start caring about artifacts because we'll amass a lot of trinkety artifacts a lot of these little blood tokens so we want to care about that and we've got a couple of surprises in store for you but before i get to the surprises and twists and turns i want to talk about some of the basics some of the vegetables as it were it's a boros deck so one of our weaknesses is ramp we can't really ramp but we've got a lot of creature support now especially in white that really will help out with that and i think if we Look at this as a whole. We can get a very nice... I'm going to talk about it from the from the perspective of a mono-white ramp package. Bear with me. But this is a Boros deck which needs the help as well. So, so think about cards like Farfinder. Three generic for a fox. It's a 1-1 one, one with Vigilance. Vigilance helps Audric's case to make a blood token. But when Farfinder enters the battlefield, search for a basic, put it in your hand, then shuffle. We've got tons of creatures that do this sort of thing. Pilgrim's Eye does the same thing. It's three generic for a 1-1 with flying this time. That's a different keyword that's good for Audric. We've got Ambitious Farmhand. No keywords here, but this is one in a white for a human peasant. 1-1. When it is a battlefield, search for a planes specifically, a basic planes. Put that into your hand, then shuffle. This one has the added benefit of having Coven. You can spend one white white to make it into seasoned Cathar, which has lifelink. It's a 3-3. So if you've got some extra mana, 
It doesn't happen often, but if we do, we can turn this into a lifelinker if we've got three creatures with different power. And now we can get an extra blood token if that's something we're doing. Um, Loyal Warhound, one and a white for a dog with vigilance. There's that keyword, 3-1. And when it enters the battlefield, if an opponent controls more lands, search up a basic planes, put it into the battlefield tapped. There's also a few creatures that do this and put the lands right into play, but your opponents have to have more lands than you to do so. Knight of the White Orchid was the OG for this. White, white for a human knight. It's got first strike. This is yet another new keyword for Audric, and that's just in the ramp package. So this is looking pretty good. I'm pretty hopeful for this deck so far. It's a 2-2 with first strike. And again, if an opponent has more lands than you, search your library for a planes, put it under the battlefield, not tapped, then shuffle. It also doesn't say basic planes. So if we've got the snow, like the snow plains mountain or the shock land that's a plains and a mountain there's lots of options that knight of the white orchid can get to also fix us F fantastic cards uh there's a bunch more i'm not going to necessarily mention that just put a land into our hand a plains or a basic otherwise but i do want to highlight stoic farmer three and a white for a dwarf peasant three three it's got foretell for one and a white so we can tuck it away in exile early on and then just cast it for Sorry, we can tuck it away for two and then cast it for one and a white when it comes in. That's still four mana. We're not getting a discount that way, but we get to divide it up, which is very nice. It's very, it makes it very flexible. You can fit it in wherever you've got the extra mana to go around. When Stoic Farmer enters the battlefield, search for a basic planes, put, reveal it. And here's the, the twist on Stoic Farmer. If an opponent has more land than you, put it onto the battlefield tapped. If they have, if they don't have more than you, you just put it back into your hand. So we're getting a card out of this either way. I want you to think about all this as card draw. All of this put together, it, it's it, the ways to get cards into your hand. I mean, the ones that put the land right into the battlefield. I mean, if we've still got a land drop, okay, fine. We're down a card that way, down a card. It's, it's on the battlefield. But all these creatures that put lands into our hand... We might as well say draw a card, but it has to be a land. It's not ideal, but I mean, it is a way to look at draw in white. It's a big theme of what this deck's going to do coming up. Now, we got Archaeomancer's map recently. This card's great. Two and a white for an artifact. And when it enters the battlefield, search for up to two basic planes. Put them into your hand. Potentially now, with all these little creatures, our hand is full of planes. We've got tons of planes cards in our hand. Whenever a land enters the battlefield under an opponent's control, if that player controls more lands than you, you may put a land card from your hand onto the battlefield. So if they have more than you, they make a land drop, you match them with a land drop. Someone else makes a land drop with more than you, you match them with a land drop. In a multiplayer game, it is possible to pull ahead of the table this way, which is bonkers in a white deck imagine pulling ahead of your opponents that are maybe playing green because you've gotten to play all these extra lands this is again possible because all these little creatures are just putting those planes in our hands fantastic love this card so now another way to go is consider something like gear up her orrery I'm not running it in this deck, but I want to present it to you. Four generic for an artifact. Each player may play an additional land on each of his or her turns, each of their turns. And at the beginning of each player's upkeep, 
if a player has no cards in hand, that player draws three cards. What are the chances we're going to get zero cards in our hand? Not tons, not huge, but it's possible. But we'll, we are likely to be drawing a bunch of extra lands with all of those little creatures. So I think Gear Priori is something you might want to consider. We might be able to be putting in two lands per turn. And Scroll of Fate, something I want you to think about. Three generic for an artifact, tap, manifest a card from your hand. If we got tons of extra lands, we can drop a 2-2 that is a land. Our opponents don't know that, but we've got a mitt full of lands. We might as well use them for something like this. We've also got the ability to loot them away if we've got extra blood tokens lying around if we're not using them. But this is where it ties in nicely into the other theme of our deck. The other theme of our deck is bouncing, flickering, blinking. Audric is the prime flicker target by default because we're going to get extra blood tokens that way. We like that. But if something like Scroll of Fate, if we can put a large creature down for free just for tapping Scroll of Fate, and then if we can flicker it, it'll leave and come back. Cards will come back on their front side. So even though it's been manifested, it'll come back as the large thing with an ETB. So Squirrel of Fate is pretty cool in this deck. I mentioned all that blinking. Ephemerate is one of the classics. Single white instant, return target, exile target creature you control, return it to the battlefield under its owner's control, then rebound it. So on your next upkeep, you get to do this again. That's potentially a ton of blood or all of those little creatures that draw us or ramp us. I mean, if we're behind on land, I'm happy to ephemerate a Knight of the White Orchid to ramp myself further. It's a powerful card in this deck. Uh, Cloud Shift, an instant, does the same thing for a single mana. Acrobatic Maneuver costs a bit more, two and a white, but this time you get to draw a card at the end of it. All of these things are instant, but we do have ways to do things not at instant speed. That's Conjurer's Closet, five generic for an artifact. At the beginning of your end step, you may exile a creature, bring them back. So again, Audric's a nice choice um, to get us some more blood. Maybe we'll do one of those little ramp creatures to get another land into play, something like that. Uh, Glimmer Point Stag, two white white for a 3-3 three, three elk with vigilance, I might add. Extra blood tokens for that archetype, that uh, ability keyword. I will admit that in the color of white, there's tons of cards that have vigilance um that's an easy one flying's an easy one to get there are some trickier ones to get that uh, we don't go too deep into but i'll sneak those in in a second but glimmer point stag uh it returns a permanent to its owner's control at the beginning of the next end step so we don't get to blink our things immediately but it might be relevant there is there's an outside case where if you're tied with lands with the next player, you can Glimmer Point Stag using Conjurer's Closet. So because you did it in an end step, it'll happen at the next player's end step, which is the next end step, which is a way to get that extra planes if it matters, if they, can, if they end up playing that land. It's a bit of a corner case. We're also running cards like Ghostway and Eerie Interlude. The cards are very similar. 
Uh, there's some subtle differences. One lets you choose, one just does everybody. But basically, a bunch of your team it gets exiled and comes back. That's a blink or a flicker. At the beginning of the next end step, they're instant speed, so you can do it to save your team from wraths, or you can just do it to get a ton of ETB triggers all at once. This is where it gets interesting to stack things, where you've got glimmer point stags and creatures that flicker or blink things. So now you've got to plan, okay, who's flickering now? Who's blinking later? Okay, what's the lineup look like? Okay, who's coming in first? I need you, everyone's got to take a number. You, the blinks are first, then the flickers. Oh, by the way, I keep using blink and flicker interchangeably. I don't know what one is what. I don't think there's one because there's a card that has momentary blink that works. They come back right away. And then there's a card called Flicker of Fate that also comes back right away. Both of those have the exact same timing on them. So neither, like, Blink and Flicker are synonymous. A lot of the cards that have you come back at the end step have the word journey in it, like, or long road home, things like that. So I don't, I just don't think we as Commander players use a consistent word for that sort of thing. Anyway. I want to take a second and highlight one of the all-star creatures for keywords, and that's Crystalline Giant. Uh, Red-white decks have a real hard time with uh, Reach, specifically. Uh, Trample doesn't happen that easily, very cheap. Hexproof, again, they're all doable, but not that easily. So Crystalline Giant is a way to just get a lot of extra ones with very little effort. So now imagine Audric's got a bunch of tokens in play, a bunch of blood tokens. We can take advantage of cards like Giripper Ether Grid to tap two artifacts, blood tokens, to do a damage to a creature or player. Uh, we can whittle away at opponent's life totals or take out utility creatures or even some big creatures if we've got lots and lots of blood. Also, Inspiring Statuary is big in this deck. It's a three mana artifact and it says non-artifact spells you cast have improvise which means we can tap artifacts as if they were little mana rocks a ton of blood equals a ton of mana which takes us to one of the cool surprising twists of the deck and that is indomitable creativity x red 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 for a sorcery destroy x artifacts and or creatures and for each permanent destroyed this way its owner goes through their library, like from the top down, you just keep revealing cards until you reveal a creature or an artifact. Those ones go into the battlefield. So essentially, you blow up as many creatures and artifacts as you want, and the controller of those things will flip through their deck until they hit an equivalent number of those things, artifacts or creatures, and put them right into play. We can tap the blood with Inspiring Statuary to make X equal a very large number, and each of those bloods that tapped to contribute to X is a target to blow up. So we can blow up, I don't know, how much blood do we have? 14? All we need is three red, and we can blow up that inspiring statuary, which, by the way, can tap for one of the X of Indomitable Creativity, but I don't recommend blowing up the inspiring statuary. We can blow up, let's say, 14 bloods. We will flip through and put out 14 creatures. That's a ton of keywords. That's probably some more blinking. And hopefully we can hit our game winning combo with this card. Kiki Jiki Mirror Breaker. We don't run this combo too often, but I got to say Kiki Jiki has come way down in price since we started this podcast. So Kiki Jiki, two red, 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 legendary goblin shaman with haste. That's another keyword. 
2-2, and you get to tap and create a token that's a copy of a non-legendary creature. That token has haste. You sacrifice it at the next, beginning of the next end step. That's Village Bell Ringer. We've got two more hits. We've got Felidar Guardian, three and a white for a 1-4. When it enters, it flickers or blinks a creature. We can do that to Kiki Jiki. And since Kiki Jiki has haste, it can it's essentially like untapping it. So we can make another Felidar Guardian, another Felidar Guardian, etc. etc. And the same thing is true for Restoration Angel. It's a three and a white, three, four with flying and flash. Same deal. Just has to be a non-angel, but Kiki Jiki happens to be a non-angel. We can make infinity of these things. That's pretty cool. And even if we don't hit Kiki Jiki in one of those three creatures, we'll probably hit a ton of cool creatures that'll make a lot of things possible for us. Uh, one of the things that is a really effective blink target is Thalia's Lancers. Three white white, human knight, four four, first strike. When it ETBs, search up a legendary card, reveal it, put it into your hand, and then shuffle your library. We've got lots of legendary cards on the deck that are actually pretty good for this, including Kiki Jiki. So that's one hit. We can cast Kiki, and if we have a Felidar Guardian already on the board, or a Bell Ringer, for example, we can start the infinite combo that way. Maybe we're going to tutor up Aurelia the War Leader. This is two red, red, white, white, legendary angel, three, four, flying, vigilance, and haste. That's three keywords in one, FYI. And whenever Aurelia attacks for the first time each turn, untap all your creatures. And after this phase, there's an additional combat phase. And this is where our cloud shift, our ephemerates, our instant speed blinks are key because we can. Aurelia has haste, so we can attack with Aurelia, get another combat step. And just before we attack that one, so there's the end of combat phase, after damage has been dealt, but before we begin our next combat step, we can flicker Aurelia, and this is a new Aurelia, which we'll see... Well, I'm attacking for the first time this turn. I haven't existed before. That's how the game views it. So as long as we have extra of those cards in our hand, we can get an extra combat step out of it. Now imagine if one of those attacking creatures is also Ifrit Flame Painter. Three and a red for a... Ifrit Shaman, it's a 1-4 with double strike. When Ifrit Flame Painter deals combat damage to a player, you may cast an instant or sorcery from your graveyard without paying its mana cost and then exile it. If Aurelia and the Ifrit are together, as long as the Ifrit's getting through, we can hit another cloud shift after first strike damage or just skip it and just wait until like the regular strike is happening and get another cloud shift for Aurelia, then start another combat step. We can get two for that one instant. Uh, this is a potential way to end the game if someone's got a board that's clear. Dahlia's Lancers might search up an Iroas God of Victory for us, or we'll hit it with Indomitable Creativity, or heck, we'll just draw it from looting a bunch with our blood tokens, because it's a great card. This is an attacking deck at its heart. Two red, white, legendary creature, god, 7-4, indestructible. One of the few indestructible cards in the deck, too. So that's another blood token for Audric. And as long as your devotion is less than 7, Iroas isn't a creature. Uh, but whether Iroas is a creature or not, creatures you control have menace. Makes attacking way better that a free flame painter can get our little extra combat steps going and prevent all damage that will be dealt to attacking creatures you control. We can attack with impunity. Just send everybody in. It doesn't matter. 
Thalia's Lancers ends up being a big player because we can also search up something like Black Blade Reforged, too generic for an equipment. Uh, you get plus one, plus one for every land you control. Remember, we have the capability of actually putting a lot of lands into play. We'll be drawing a bunch, tutoring a bunch, and putting them into play. So this could make a creature very large. Uh, it equips legendaries for three, non-legendaries for seven. Now that does sound expensive, but if that results in a kill, I think that's worth it. Well, I also want to quickly mention Arterial Alchemy. Two and a red for an enchantment, and when it enters the battlefield, make a blood token for each opponent you have. And blood tokens become equipment in addition to their other types, and they have equipped creature gets plus two plus oh, and it equips for two, which is pretty interesting. It's an interesting way to use blood tokens to make our creatures bigger if we have a clean attack. But also, when we're running Brunor Battlehammer, two white, red, legendary dwarf warrior and you get to it's a 5-3 that gives us a free equip every turn that's great for black blade reforged we can equip up blood and each creature does get plus two plus oh for each equipment that's attached to it brunor and that's another thalia's lancers target this this deck has a lot of moving pieces and they all work very well together i'm very happy with it i gotta say i think we pulled off a pretty cool boros deck we're also running halvar god of battle two white white Legendary God, 4-4. Four, four. Creatures you control that are enchanted or equipped now have double strike. Another blood token keyword. And at the beginning of each combat, you may attach an aura or equipment attached to a creature you control to another creature you control, to target creature you control. So we can move around our Black Blade Reforged. We can use Brunor to get things equipped as well. If Arterial Alchemy is out, we can equip our blood tokens and turn them into weapons and make our creatures bigger and stronger for that. Maybe we're going to cast Halvar for the backside, Sword of the Realms, one and a white. Equipped creature gets plus two, plus oh, and Vigilance, another keyword. And when equipped creature dies, return it to its owner's hand. All these creatures are ETB. Not literally all of them, but most of them are, so I'm happy to return them to my hand. It equips for one and a white. And all of these are, we can find them all with Thalia's Lancers. We can hit them all with Indomitable Creativity. This deck is pretty cool. I think this is a good deck. There's a lot of cool moving parts, a lot of cool synergies that work well together. Uh, and I think you can surprise a win with that Kiki combo in there. I think we got a Boros deck that has a real shot to be a little bit competitive. I gotta shout out the Discord helpers. I couldn't do this without you. Thank you to T Ravenous, Chiefy, Gee Pizza, Papa Dio. This deck's for you, fellas. So now let's do the budget report. So DCG player has this at a 194 mid and 225 low. The low is higher than the mid. I never understand how that happens, but that's pretty expensive. And I guess it's because Aurelia, the war leader, is a $20 card. I mean, that's very powerful, so it doesn't surprise me. Ghostway is a $16 card. Uh, that I knew that was always expensive. When we got Eerie Interlude, I was so grateful for the functional reprints almost uh just to bring the price down ghostway is still very expensive but surprising or not surprising our Kaomancer's map the artifact that lets us play lands when our opponents do that one's 13 bucks doesn't surprise me because a white deck needs that kind of help badly and you know 13 it came in a commander deck so those are they don't print they print a lot of them but they don't get into circulation a lot so those ones tend to go up a lot 
in a similar vein from an old commander deck, Dockside Extortionist is up to 74 bucks. It would be amazing in this deck. We're not running it. It's a little bit over our budget, but I mean, if you've got it, run it. We're also not running Panharmonicon, but we could. It's like about 10 bucks. If you cut Aurelia, you got room for Panharmonicon and, you know, a, a burrito as well. But Panharmonicon, obviously, it doubles ETB triggers off of creatures and artifacts. So that is a fantastic ad. We really just make a ton of blood all at once. It taps for mana with Inspiring Statuary, if we've got that out there. Uh, gets extra lands, puts extra lands into play. I mean... It's a very good card. I mean, it, I probably should put it in. But, you know, if you've got one, you know what to do. Thanks, gang. That's the Audric Blood Curse deck. I think it's a good one. Uh, let me know what you think in the comments. See you next time.